my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Mark Moss Show, where of course we're always talking about the decentralized revolution, breaking it down for you play by play so you can see exactly how the world is changing, but not just for the sake of seeing it happen, but to understand it. And why do we want to understand it? Well, for one, it brings a little bit of a, peace to our minds. But more importantly, it's so that we can we can take the movements, take the actions, make the plans that we need in order to navigate this properly to secure our wealth, freedom, and more. So that's why we want to, we want to stay a step ahead. You know, I like to, I, I, I've been pounding the table on for about a dozen years, um, wealth transfers. We want to stay in front of these things to stay in front of these wealth transfers and, and, and protect those things. Now, part of the way that we do that, because, uh, understanding this, uh, decentralized revolution, it's a long process. A lot of times people are like, what the heck is happening? So I'd like to bring to you some of the latest breaking news headlines, what I call the signpost, so you can see what the heck is going on. And there is a big signpost dropping uh, this week that I have to talk about. I have to start the show with it because, you know, as the world is continuing to break apart from world of globalization to decentralization or deglobalization, really what keeps that together has been the money. You know, uh, Henry Kissinger uh, warned the world or really kind of uh, told the world what the attack vectors were when he said that 
If you want to uh, control the food, you control the people, control the energy, you control the continent, but control the money and you control the world. And so we can see that for the last hundred years, the United States has maintained its power grip, its homogeny, as we call it, over the world um, by controlling the money, by controlling the currency. The U.S. dollar is the reserve currency of the world. Now, of course, the reserve uh, currency of the world or really the superpower of the world has changed many times. And of course, the U.S. inherited that from um, Britain during the World War One, kind of uh, into World War II efforts. And that process, it took a while. It took about 30 to 40 years. So when everybody asks, when is the dollar going to die? I say, well, it is. <laughs> or we're witnessing it right now. Yeah, but like, I, like Turkey, the Turkish lira went down 90% to the U.S. dollar. It's crashing against the dollar. Yeah, but the U.S. dollar went down 60% to the S&P 500. It went down 100% to Bitcoin. It went down, you know, 45% to real estate just in the last five years. The U.S. dollar is dying as well. And so there's, we're certainly on the path. It's more of like a process, not an event. Uh, but like I said, this week we had some really big news that's really accelerating this game. And rather than tell that for you, I'm just going to play an audio clip so you can hear exactly what this is saying. New money, new world. Let's play this clip here. The BRICS group is set to introduce a new currency backed by gold in contrast to the credit-backed U.S. dollar with countries lining up to join the growing initiative. So I'm just going to pause that there for a second. So did you hear the, the, the contrast there? A, a money backed by gold as opposed to a money backed by credit. All right. So the first thing you have to understand, most people don't understand this point, which is why most of you aren't getting rich. The dollar system, the fiat money system is a debt-based system. What does that mean? That means money is created through debt. So we talk about the Fed printing money. It's not the way it works. Money is created when the banks issue loans, all right? So when you buy a house, a car, a boat, they issue a loan for that, and that money is created in debt. Now, the reason why most of you aren't, aren't rich is you don't understand that. So the way that you get rich in a debt-based system is by using debt. But you've all been listening to Dave Ramsey telling you not to get into debt, which is why you're broke. Uh, so you, you want to use debt in a debt-based system. What they're offering, though, is a gold-backed system. A gold-backed system was, would be one based off of savings, Okay, let's keep going and listen to the rest of this. The BRICS countries are planning to introduce a new trading currency, which will be backed by gold. More and more countries recently expressed desire to join BRICS. So this is coming to a head. We've been talking about this for a while. You're hearing it in the news more and more and more that they're doing this. But now it's finally coming here, um, probably in the next, probably this summer, the next month or two. They're trying to introduce this, and more and more countries are joining the BRICS. Of course, the BRICS stands for Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. But now more and more countries are joining the BRICS. As a matter of fact, um, Saudi Arabia is talking about joining the BRICS. We've had Iran talking about joining the BRICS. Even our neighbor to the south of Mexico is talking about potentially joining the BRICS. And so if you get all of these uh, producers joining the BRICS, it can become a formidable force. As a matter of fact, the United States took over the global superpower because the United States was the producer of the goods. The United States uh, basically sent goods and you know goods out to the world, right? That's really how we took over power, and that's how we gained. I, I believe it was uh, over seventy percent of all the gold in the world was concentrated in the United States because we supplied the war. We sent all the stuff they needed, all the supplies, and we got that back. Today, the United States doesn't export any goods. We export services. We export financial services. We export uh, social media services. Even Vladimir Putin called us out. He said, what are you going to do? Are you going to eat off those social media stocks? Whereas the BRICS nations, they make things. They have 
what do we call commodities? That could be oil, that could be gas, that could be wheat, that could be corn, that could be metal, that could be copper, et cetera. That could be precious metals, et cetera. And so now we have the BRICS, which are now well over 65% of the world's population who are actually producing the goods, not the services, but the goods that the rest of the world needs. Now, I don't think personally that this is a one shot, one kill thing. I don't think this is like a checkmate where like, okay, now they launched it. Uh, everything it's over. Now the dollar's done. I don't think that's the case. What I think is the case is that they're going to have a very difficult time making this work in the United States, which are supposed to be united. We can't even get states to agree. As a matter of fact, we've had about half the states are now pushing back on moving to a CBDC, for example. So even in the United States, we can't even get something like that done. How are you going to get all these different nations that all want to be sovereign, that all want to direct their own nations as they see fit? How are you going to get all of them to use one currency? First of all, second of all, they're all going to have to use a currency that's fixed, fixed by gold, where they can't expand that. How is that going to work? I mean, China, there's no way that's going to work in China. China's debt situation is way worse than the United States. If they don't continue to print money, uh, they're not going to survive, which is why they don't have a free floating currency. If they opened up their capital accounts, all the money would leave China, which is why they can't do that. So how do they move to a fixed monetary supply based off of gold? It just doesn't happen. Now, of course, China operates a dual currency system, so maybe they'll make that work by fudging the numbers. But the rest of the nations aren't going to have that benefit. And so the thought that all of these small nations are all going to agree and they're all going to go on a fixed money gold standard is a little bit hard to understand, or I should say a little bit hard to believe. Um, but I do believe that they're actively trying to do it. Um, I do believe that they'll get it launched and off the ground. Um, and I do believe it's another chink in the armor of the United States. It's not the death blow. It's not the final blow, but it certainly undermines the effort of that for sure. And I think in the future, the way I see the world, and I talk about, so I talk about the decentralized revolution, I don't see another global reserve currency. I don't think there's another coordinated um, one currency that everybody goes to. I think that the world's going to continue to break apart. And I think that the U.S. and some of its allies that, you know, the, the, the U.S., maybe Mexico and some of the South, uh, maybe the U.K. will stick with a dollar-based system. I think, uh, you know, you'll see Russia, China still with their, with their, with their dollars, uh, you know, the ruble, yuan, maybe try something different. You might have the BRICS trying something different. You might end up with five or six kind of main currencies, um, in my opinion. And of course, I think Bitcoin is going to continue to grow and grow and grow and take a bigger chunk out of that. Um, and we'll see nations continue to adopt Bitcoin like El Salvador, you know, moved onto a Bitcoin standard. Uh, now we saw the nation of Georgia over in Europe is now going to be mining Bitcoin. So I think we'll see that start to play. And I think we'll see multiple. So this is a huge step in this. And it's certainly something that we want to watch out for and pay attention to. Uh, but just put it into perspective, I don't think it's like imminent, like this means by the end of the year, the dollar is done. And when you say the dollar is done, what does that even mean? Anyway, the dollar took over from the pound sterling, but the pound sterling is still the third most used currency in the world 100 years later. And so even when the dollar is done, it's not done. I think the dollar will probably be around for a very long time, just like the, the pound sterling is. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. I got a whole lot more news headlines to cover when I come back about Bitcoin, crypto, the Supreme Court, the Fed, the economy, and more. Don't go away. I'll be right back. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. 
They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back. If you just tune in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're running through some of the latest breaking news headlines that went down this week. Signposts, as I call them. Signposts that show us where the world is going. Because when you're zoomed in, when you're looking at everything on a day-to-day basis, it's hard sometimes to understand where this is all going. You have to understand the history, and you have to understand the trajectory of where we're going. As we run through those, you know, a lot's been going on in the Bitcoin crypto space, specifically this week. One of the biggest players that's that's not really public facing. It's not like a really 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 retail retail company. So a lot of you may maybe don't know the name, but we had another one bite the dust here, and it is causing massive carnage for a lot of people involved. And that is a company called Prime Trust. Now, just think about that name. Prime trust, like as in prime, as in like the best, the best trust, the most trusted person. And so that's what they were. They were like a a trusted um, third party for uh, retail facing companies that would uh, handle their uh, Bitcoin transactions as well as storing their Bitcoin for them. And unfortunately, the most trustworthy company, Prime Trust, has no longer trustworthy, should have never been trustworthy, and they have gone down. And that's a big math problem. The math problem is that they owe about $155 million to clients, and they have only about $71 million in assets. It's a big problem. They don't even have 50 cents on the dollar for what they owe. Now, what led to some of this problem is almost unbelievable. 
I mean, it is unbelievable. It's probably not worth believing. It's probably a lie, but so far the story is that, um, oh, we just happened to lose the keys to our wallets. So with Bitcoin, you store it yourself. What you have to store is you have to store your private key. It's sort of like if you um, had gold back in the day and you buried it out in uh, the desert and you made yourself a treasure map so you could go back and find that gold later. Uh, and you want to protect that treasure map with everything you have because if somebody were to steal that treasure map, they can go find your gold, right? Or if it got burned up in a fire, how would you go find your gold again? And so private keys to Bitcoin are sort of similar. You want to protect those private keys. You don't want to lose them. But apparently Prime Trust just lost their keys. And all the Bitcoin that they are holding on behalf of uh, clients and customers just disappeared. That's what we're supposed to believe. And so because of that, they've been insolvent for a few years now. But nobody just knew that. Nobody called them out on that. Now, uh, they went through a management change in 2021. The management change came in. They didn't really know what the heck was going on. They lost access to some of these old wallets. They lost the private keys. And, uh, you know, of course, what do you do when you lose all your clients' money? Well, you lie to them. <laughs> you pretend you didn't lose all your money. And then you try to keep a lid on it while you try to hopefully get that money back. Like a D-Gen gambler, if I could just get a little bit more money, I know I can make my money back, right? And they're, and they're doing that. And they're trying to get it back. Now, how do they do that? Well, just like any degenerate gambler, you have to get more and more risky, if you want to try to get those crazy returns, you have to move more on the risk scale. But the problem is you move more on the risk scale, you're taking a more risk and you probably have bigger losses. And that's exactly what happened. They used the remaining clients as assets that they had to go try to make that money back. They went and YOLO'd, as we'd call it, you only live once or, or aped into a position. Let's, let's just push it all on the table. I'm all in like a poker game or like bet it all on red at the roulette table. And they went all in like a Ponzi scheme, taking new client deposits in to try to win back the money for the old clients or taking new deposits in to redeem uh, funds for new clients. Now, that doesn't work good. They even went as far as using some um, customer funds to give to FTX for their political contributions. I mean, it, it's insane what they did. Um, and all in the name of trying to hide this, you know. And on top of it, they had been operating in Texas without a money transmitter license. So not only did they do all these shady things as, you know, prime trust, not only did they do all these shady things, they were actually running an illegal operation, an unlicensed illegal operation. Um, and so it's bad. They were buying uh, some coin called audio is what it looks like, trying to win their money back. Let's take a look at that there. Audio. Using some small, obscure name. I see, I see two of them here, audio. But yeah, that thing was at uh, $0.38 cents, uh, just a couple months ago, and now it's at $0.18. Cents. So that, did, that didn't do too well. Um, it never does. When you get behind like that, like any degenerate gambler, it's probably going to be a losing proposition. Now, what's even crazier news this week was FTX. The, yes, the, the FTX. The FTX that stole about $60 billion, Sam Bankman-Fried. That exchange is thinking about restarting. They want to open back up called FTX 2.0, which is completely insane to me. I, I understand sometimes people want to go back and revive like iconic brands um, and give them another shot. I get that. FTX is far from an iconic brand. FTX is 
is is the poster child for stealing people's money. That is not a name that you'd be one to associate with. And in the bankruptcy proceedings that went through, it found out that they didn't really have any technology. They all they had was a uh, I think like a spreadsheet, maybe it was like a Google Sheet ledger and one bank account. Like it was the most archaic, simple organization that was there. So it's not like they're re, re you know resurrecting um, some cutting edge technology some cutting edge uh, software uh, systems or anything like that, apparently per the bankruptcy uh, filings, they have none of that. So they don't have a good name. They have no customer goodwill. They have no brand oil equity or loyalty. They have no uh, processes or systems. They have no technology. What do they have? <laughs> oh man. I just don't understand that. Some people are just um, out for, uh, I don't know, people like banging their head against the wall, I suppose. You know, in other news in the Bitcoin cryptocurrency space, we're continuing to see the screws get tightened around the SEC chair, Gary Gensler. He's the head of the SEC, as they should be. Now, I have a little bit of conflicting for myself, conflicting views on this in a sense where it's like, I don't like the SEC. Um, I'd like to see the SEC shut down. Um, their, you know, supposed goal of protecting consumers has not worked. All they do is harm consumers more and more. Uh, they completely failed over and over and over and they should shut down disgrace. I don't need a government body to tell me what I can and can't do with my money. If I want to YOLO into a position in Vegas or YOLO into a cryptocurrency, I should be allowed to do that. I don't need them to tell me what I can and can't do. I don't need them to protect me. Um, that being said, here they are. They're here. And so, you know, we have to abide by them. Uh, but Gary Gensler has come under so much fire for his vicious and aggressive attack on cryptocurrencies that now there's entire uh, petitions going around of people asking for his resignation. There was actually some news that came out this week that he was going to resign. Um, and so a lot of people were expecting that. And then it looked like maybe that got a little bit of ahead of itself. Maybe there's a little bit more of a rumor than some truth. So he's not quite resigning yet, but it's certainly looking like it's getting close to that as he should. Like I said, I'd like to see him shut down. Um, if you're just tuning in, you are listening to The Mark Moss Show. Of course, talking through some of the latest breaking news headlines. I'm going to talk more about what happened this week in the Supreme Court of the United States. We're also going to take a look at what's going on with the economy and the Federal Reserve from their last meeting minutes and what you can expect. I'll be back with more on that in a minute. Don't go away. I'll be right back. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. 
basically everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're running through some of the latest breaking news headlines this week so you can understand the play-by-play of this decentralized revolution that we are moving into. And, you know, uh, as I talk about, right, moving from this very centralized world into this decentralized world, and it's one of the things that I really see with these news headlines this week, where in the United States, the United States is um, not a democracy. I know you're being told on the news every single day, propaganda telling you, it's that to a democracy, it's that to a democracy, it's that to a democracy. It's not a democracy. If you grew up in the United States and went to school, most likely you did the Pledge of Allegiance, and you know, with your hand over your heart, and to the republic for which it stands, to the republic, not the democracy, to the republic. The United States was set up as a republic, sort of like the um, Roman Republic. So you had the Roman Republic, which went for about 500 years, and then the Roman Republic went to the empire. The empire uh, is when everything changed and everything went downhill and eventually Rome fell apart. The United States was set up as a republic modeled after Greek and Roman uh, republics. And in a republic, you have what's known as a, uh, it's a representative government. And the reason why that's important is because a democracy is, um, democracy is really tyranny of the minority by the majority. So if there's 10 of us here and we're voting, And we go, hey, uh, you know, eight of us here think that you two should give us more of your money. You guys have too much money. So eight of us here think you two should give us some more of your money. Um, That's democracy. It's democracy. Uh, And so you can't have uh, the minority. You can't have tyranny of the minority by the majority. And so a a representative government is, is meant to alleviate that. And part of having that representative government is by having three branches of government. So we have the legislative, the judicial and the executive branches of government. And so none of those branches have full power and it creates checks and balances, all right? Now what's happened is over a period of time, the the federal government has continued to try to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and basically take over every aspect of our lives. This is not how the United States was set up. This is not uh, what was meant to happen. And the constitution, the constitution is not a set of laws. The constitution is a set of restrictions on the government itself of what they can and can't do. Now, you've also been told 
by your, you know, Columbia law uh, professors that the constitution was meant to be a living, breathing document. It was meant to be updated and changed. No, that's false. That's another argument that they put in place so they can win. So what happens is whenever you're trying to win an argument, if you're, if you're going to debate something like that, a couple, a couple of techniques you would use, maybe like an anchoring or a window where you try to move the argument into something that could be defeated. And so that's what they're trying to do. They try to move these things. Well, I guess if it was meant to be a living, breathing document and change, then I guess we should change it. No, the founding fathers knew that the government would grow and we would end up in the same place as the government in Britain that they tried to get away from. Now, why is this important? Well, latest breaking news headline this week of the Supreme Court ruling on some more cases that set the world into a tailspin. Now, from my viewpoint and lens, and feel free to uh, disagree with me, and if you do disagree with me, I'd love to hear from you. So hit me up on social media, on Twitter, or on Instagram, at one Mark Moss. Let me know you listen to the show, and let me know if you disagree. Let's talk about it. Um, but the Supreme Court has been kicking basically getting rid of federal powers and moving powers back down to the states, which in my opinion is a good thing. Now we can argue, but now the state shouldn't be allowed to decide on that. Well, that's a different argument, right? That's a different argument. This is an argument about whether things should be federal or not. And so uh, two big things that happened this week. One, they struck down the student loan forgiveness. They said that that is unconstitutional. Now, I can understand your side of the argument in a debate. The goal is to understand your opponent's argument better than them. I can understand the argument. Student loans are predatory. Student loans are holding back the economy. Uh, student loans uh, help people that don't have money. I get all of that. I understand it. But the Supreme Court wasn't asking if it was a their goal wasn't to tell you if it was a good program, if they liked the program. It wasn't a vote if the public want the program. All they were clearly doing was looking at the law and does the Constitution allow for that? And, and the answer is no, it's unconstitutional. Nowhere in the Constitution does it say that we should take a protected group of people, take away all their debts, and then distribute that out to the tax base. Nowhere does it say that. Me, I didn't go to college. I don't have student loan debt. I don't want to pay your debt. And so that would be unconstitutional to saddle me with that debt. I didn't take on that debt. So nowhere in the Constitution does it say that should be done. Now, if we want to create new laws and new rules where uh, we, uh, you know, like a Social Security fund where we pay into this college fund and low-income kids can then apply for these grants, which, by the way, we already have lots of. Uh, but if we want to have more of that, okay, that's a different conversation. That's a different bill. That's a different vote. This was just simply, is it constitutional? Yes or no? Uh, the other one was affirmative action. That lit people up. I thought, the, uh, I thought the argument around that was pretty interesting. It's pretty hard to argue for things like affirmative action without making them look really, really bad. So um, it's almost like, so these minority groups can't get ahead unless they're given uneven playing field. Is that what you're saying? Because there's lots of minority groups that would disagree with that. There's lots of minor groups that really resent being painted as a victim. How many, uh, there's a saying that says, give a kid a bad name and he will be. And so what does that mean? That means that uh, as humans, one of the character traits that makes us humans is that we speak things into existence, which is why it's so important to control your um, self-talk and your own speech. It's why things like, like affirmations are important because as humans, we can speak things into existence. 
And there's been numerous tests that have been done where teachers will tell their kid, hey, uh, boy, I can tell how smart you are. Man, I can't wait to teach you this year. You're going to do so amazing. And the kids will do really, really well. Or the teacher will say like, oh boy, you're going to really struggle. Don't worry. I know you're going to have a hard time. I'll help you. And then the kids do really, really bad. So you can speak that into existence. People will rise up to the challenge. And so lots of minority groups are unhappy by being told you're a victim. You can't get ahead unless we give you this, this, this unfair advantage. We had uh, Michelle and Barack Obama on their $500 million yacht in, uh, in the Mediterranean tweeting about how unfair it is, how black people can never get ahead if they don't have something like this. Meanwhile, they're on a $500 million yacht. I don't have one of those. Do you have one of those? I also saw it similar to um, in the whole situation with the voting that uh, by requiring an ID, it's uh, that's racist because somehow minority groups don't know how to get an ID. <laughs> that statement is racist. So they're so dumb that they can't figure out how to get an ID. That's your argument. Like, I mean, this is ridiculous. You really can't argue for this without looking that way, in my opinion. Um, I don't think that people, any minority group is so stupid they can't get an ID. I don't think that. Uh, and it certainly doesn't matter. You can't get a bank account without an ID. Is that racist, right? And so it, it, it's, it's used in those places. But uh, again, kind of back to the way I see it in these, in these uh, two different things with affirmative action and student loan recovery, it's really just coming down to the law. Does the law, does the Constitution allow for these things to happen? And no, in the Declaration of Independence, it says all men are created equal. And of course, men and women, all people. Um, as, as a Jesus follower, I believe that all, uh, you know, we're all made in the image of God. We're all equal from that standpoint. And so we don't need, and basically what the Supreme Court said is you can't you can't move one group ahead without discriminating against the other. And that's the problem. That's the conundrum that we're in. Um, now, I'm all for um, doing everything that we can to help everybody out. But again, not by discriminating against one source or another. So uh, another, another signpost, of, again, of the centralization of the federal government breaking apart, moving power back to the decentralized nature of the independent states of the republic, and in my opinion, uh, of course, I talk about the decentralized revolution. This is the trend that continues to follow down. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show, talking about the latest breaking news headlines that are the, the signposts that show us this decentralized revolution is in full swing. Um, I got to take a quick break. When I come back, I want to talk about what is going on in the economy, what's happening with the job market. It is crazy. Talk about what's going on with the stock market, going to new highs, while at the same time, the Federal Reserve seems to be stuck on what they're doing. So we'll tell you what to expect next coming out of that. I'm going to take a quick break. I'm going to go away just for a minute. Don't go away. I'll be right back. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. 
and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're running through some of the latest breaking news headlines this week so you can understand what the heck is going on in this decentralized economy so you can see how the world is changing. Now, if you've missed any of it, don't worry. I got your back. You can check me out on the podcast. Just go to your favorite podcast player and just search Mark Moss, The Mark Moss Show. You'll find me there. And if I could, if I've earned enough goodwill, please, I could ask one small favor. When you go to your podcast app, would you just leave me a review? Click me a couple stars, give me a review, preferably a good review <laughs> if you like it. Uh, I would appreciate that. That'd really help me out. It's my one small ask for you. Uh, but, you know, when we look at these, these news headlines breaking every week, it really helps us understand the direction that we're going on. And that's what we're trying to figure out the direction. We don't need to figure out what's going to happen next month or in next quarter, but really what's the direction that we're heading. Um, you know, some of the things that we saw this week were that the Federal Reserve had another big meeting, the FMO, FOMC meeting happened. And of course, the Federal Reserve has been on the war path that we've seen the highest and fastest rate hiking in, I believe, history, at least in 50 years. Basically going from like a 0% Fed funds rate, a 0% uh, price of money to well over 5%. So fast that we haven't even had a chance to really absorb all those changes into the economy. We know it typically takes between 12 to 18 months to really feel, to really notice the effects of those rate increases. And here we are just past the year. We're probably 13, 14 months in. So we're just now about to start seeing all the changes. And so the question is, has the Fed done enough? Well, we know finally, I believe the first time in, I believe it was 14 months, the Fed paused their rate hikes. So they were hiking, they were increasing the price of money, and now they've paused. Now, uh, a lot of people were hoping for a pivot. A pivot, in my opinion, would be instead of hiking, they're lowering, right? It would be reversing course. A pause isn't really that. And of course, the Fed didn't want to call it a pause. They called it a skip. They said, well, we're, we're, we're not pivoting. 
and, and we're not even technically pausing. Uh, what we're doing is we're just going to skip a meeting. And we're going to see what's happened, which, you know, I think sounds like a good idea. They've gone so fast and so aggressive, they should probably wait and see uh, if the economy, if the markets can absorb these changes. But history shows us, I believe uh, there's never been an instance in history where the Fed has paused and then gone back to hiking again. It's never happened. Now, doesn't mean it can't. There's a first for everything. And we certainly could see that. But right now, latest projections indicate that the FOMC members expect the Fed funds rate to reach 5.6% by the year end, which would suggest that there's maybe two more 25 basis point hikes this year. Now, we don't know this. Obviously, uh, nobody knows the future. I don't even think Jerome Powell, head of the Fed, knows either, right? He's kind of just every day taking the information in that's coming along and, um, and, uh, and making the best choices that he can, I guess. I've been very hard on Jerome Powell. I think he's an idiot. I think uh, he has no idea what he's doing. But I don't think anybody would have an idea of what they're doing in that position. So what do I mean? I think anybody who thinks they can control an entire global market and economy by adjusting the price of money is an idiot. Anybody that would try to do that would be misinformed. So uh, while I'm harsh on Trump, I'd be harsh on anybody because it's a losing, it's a losing proposition. It's not going to work. Um, so I, I, I'd say that. But you know, one thing that we know is that when the Fed pauses, again, back to historics, uh, historically, when they pivot, it's been very bad for stocks. Typically, stocks go down. Uh, however, historically, when they pause, things have done well. And so here we are in this pause or this uh, skip, as they call it, and we can see that the stocks have logged one of their one of the best first halves ever this year. So here we are about halfway through the year. We know that 2022 was the worst year for stocks and bonds in over 50 years, the worst in over 50 years. And yet here we have 2023 with uh, one of the best first halves ever which is pretty amazing, up 39, what is it? Uh, the NASDAQ 100 rose 39%, which is pretty amazing. <sighs> Looks like a lot of the commodities have done very well. Uh, natural gas has done very well. Of course, the tech stocks have done very well. Most of those bolstered by the AI revolution. Um, you know, the top seven stocks in the S&P 500 really were the ones that had exposure to the, um, to the AI push. Uh, we can see that the indexes were strength were strengthened up in the mega cap tech stocks, Apple, which hit a three trillion market cap milestone on the last day of trading, which is just absolutely amazing. Of course, you know three trillion ain't what it used to be, so to speak. You know, one of the things that the Fed looks at is not the market. I don't think the Fed really cares about what's happening in the markets. They do care about what's happening in the credit markets. They want to make sure liquidity is there. They also look at the markets that make up inflation. And one of those biggest mark the biggest markets that really pushes inflation is the job market, which is why what the Fed really wants to do by raising rates so fast is they're trying to crush demand. They want people to go broke so you don't have any money to go buy assets. If you don't have any money to go buy uh, plane tickets or gas for your car or food, guess what happens? Yeah, the prices come down. Now, part of what they want to do is they want the unemployment number to go up. They want more people to be unemployed, which is just an insane thing to think about from that perspective. So what they really want, their objective is they want you to lose your job. 
They want your wages to go down. They want you to be broke so you don't continue to buy so much stuff. That's what they want. And this is not a hidden thing. This is not a controversial thing. They've been grilled. Uh, Jerome Powell has been grilled in front of congressional committees by even people I don't typically agree with, like Senator, Senator Elizabeth Warren, stating, Jerome Powell, you realize you want millions of people to go out of work, don't you? Yes, I understand that. What are you going to tell those people? You know, uh, we saw uh, Senator Kennedy, who I love. Uh, he's grilled Jerome Powell. Many times people have grilled Jerome Powell over this. Your goal is to bring unemployment up. Yes, it is. And you know those millions of people are real people that have families and they can't afford to pay for their families anymore. You understand that, right? Yes, I understand that, right? Uh, I mean, it's just insane. However, the labor market isn't really budging. It's been a problem for Jerome Powell. We see in April, the Department of Labor reported 5.7 million unemployed job seekers and 10.1 million job openings, right? So we have more openings than we have job seekers, two for one. The shortage is helping pump wages, especially for teens, whose, whose median weekly summer pay rose 7% between 2019 and 2022, more than any other age group. So we have two jobs for every one applicant. Now, what happens? Uh, remember, economics is simple. It's broken down by supply and demand. If you have more employers competing for less workers, what happens? They have to pay them more. Prices rise. That's exactly what the Fed doesn't want to happen. They want it to go down. We can see in May, 36.8% of U.S. teens were working or seeking work, up from a pre-pandemic low of 32%. So more people were looking for work but it's far from consist, uh, from the consistent 50% plus seen up until 2001. So even though more teens are looking for work now than they were um, a few years ago, what we can see is it's still way less than the 50% that it used to be. And so really the number isn't just the unemployed, it's really the market participation rate. So unemployment only measures the people who are looking for work. But the people who stop looking for work, they don't measure that anymore. So what you really want to look at is the labor participation rate. How many people working age are actually working? And what we've seen, even though unemployment looks low, because most people have given up looking for jobs, the labor participation rate is, is like at all-time lows. Very, very, very low. We can see... Um, you know, I can tell you just from having my own teen daughter, I'm astounded by how much money she's making. Uh, and then I have to think, well, dang, how much do I have to pay people to come work for me? I mean, it's really driven the bar up pretty high. It's been been pretty amazing. If you just tune in, you are listening to The Mark Moss Show. We've been running through some of the latest breaking news headlines this week, breaking down, as I like to call it, the decentralized revolution. If you missed any of this show, uh you're going to miss out big time, but I got you back. Check me out on the podcast. Just search the Mark Moss show on your favorite podcast player, or go to YouTube and search market disruptors. You can watch me and listen to me there. And that's what I got. Thanks so much for listening till next time. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.